I love to gather together and to worship on this night, to, to sing these familiar songs and carols, but also just to listen to the word being read, to listen to scripture and the prophecies foretold and, and the, the coming of Jesus and the way that it happened. This last month of December, the last four weeks, we've been looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, John chapter 1 of the attributes of Jesus, the reason why he came, these characteristics. And on this night, we celebrate the very night of his coming as a child, a baby, as John 1 says, the word becoming flesh. So tonight, my intent is not to be long-winded with a lengthy sermon, but simply remind us of the four things that we've talked about, life and light and lamb and Lord. And then I want to ask two questions that really demand an answer in our lifetime. First, the review. The scriptures that you heard tonight were all themed towards Jesus being the life and light and lamb and Lord. And so each week we opened a gift, as you see those gifts represented there, that we opened uh, every week in December. And there was a corresponding verse, the first, Jesus being life in John 1, 4. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And if you weren't here on Sunday morning, we opened this as our first gift, the game of life. I know this is probably familiar to some of you, but it represents what we often get consumed by is living life the way this board game depicts. Now, there's nothing wrong by itself with this game, but we know that this game represents very much of physical life. It has ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and you move your car through the winding streets, and you get a career, and, and, and maybe get a certain salary, and then you might have some kids and a family, and you have some lows and, and, and some highs. And, and if you play well enough, at the end of the time, if you've collected enough resource and money, you get to retire comfortably in Shady Acres, right? the goal of life. But that's not the life that Jesus came to bring. Jesus came to give full life, but he was concerned with spiritual life. And specifically, he came to bring eternal life of far greater importance than physical life. His offer was different, and he offers it to each one of us, even this night, and you only need to place your faith in him. You see, Jesus came as life to give his life so that you and I could walk in the newness of life. And then in week two, we looked at Jesus being the light, and we read this in John 1.9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And we opened this gift of a light, a lantern, that gives light to our feet, a lamp to our path. And it represents light in a world full of darkness and sin and despair and sorrow, and, and this light that shines in the deepest corners and the darkest corners of our hearts, which are full of sin. And Jesus came and shined brightly, invading our lives and exposing our sinfulness by his perfect holiness. It says the true light, and he can be your light tonight, for there is hope. Jesus came as light to shine his light so that you and I could walk in the light. And then we read this, from John 1.29, and we open the gift of this knife, John the Baptist's proclamation of who Jesus came and was. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we open this gift, and it was a knife. Why a knife? Because the knife represents bloodshed and sacrifice. It represented 
what was needed as a payment. It says in Hebrews 9, in fact, that where there is no bloodshed, there is no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus was the only one who could take that on himself. He took our sin on himself. When we looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our sin on him, his righteousness on us when we place our faith in him, the great exchange. Jesus came as a sinless lamb to take on sin as a sacrificial lamb so that by the blood of the lamb, you and I could be free from sin. And then in the fourth week, even this Sunday, we looked at Jesus being Lord and his call to his disciples in John 1.43 when he said the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and he said, follow me. That was the call of discipleship, right? And we opened this gift of a yoke, the gift of, of Jesus, his offer, his invitation. Now this to us in physical life represents burden and labor, and hard work, the yoke of laborious activity, right? But Jesus says, come and take my yoke upon you. It's light and easy. His offer was different, we know from Matthew 11 there. He said his burden was light, and his yoke was easy to come and to take that upon us. It was light and free, following him in obedience, being yoked to him, letting him be the Lord that leads And so many of us are burdened in life, and maybe you're burdened now, and Jesus offers that as an invitation to be life, to be light, to be your lamb, and to be your Lord, to yoke up with him, and he calls for you to follow. Jesus came as Lord to be our Lord so that you and I could follow him as Lord. Life, light, lamb, and Lord, in him was life, for life was the light of men, true light the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and then the call to follow him. He says, follow me. You see, Jesus came to earth with purpose to bring life and light and lay down his life, and he desires, he did that because he desires, God desires a personal relationship with you, each one of us. And so tonight I want to ask you two questions. They're actually straight from the Bible. They're not original to me. But when you think about questions, life is full of them, isn't it? Simple and trivial questions are asked like, what's for dinner or what's the weather? It's 50 degrees tomorrow, by the way, strange. What are my plans this weekend? Or maybe a little bit too late for this, but what should I get mom and dad for Christmas? Or what's the score of the game? And then there are more important questions, important ones like, where will I live? Where will I work? Who will I marry? But then there's this third layer layer of really deep, important questions that are more spiritual in nature. Why am I here? Why is this happening? What's going on in life? What is tomorrow going to bring? Why is this happening right now? Where, why does my heart hurt so bad? And why, God? And those are difficult questions, many of which, even as a pastor, I know I cannot provide all the answers, but I can help you by asking you these two questions in hopes that if you answer them for yourselves the way the Bible answers them, that you'll be okay. The two questions are these, where are you and where is he? Did you know that those are the first questions in the Old Testament and the New Testament, respectively? Look at this from Genesis 3.9, the first question in the Bible, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? 
And if you go all the way ahead into the New Testament, into Matthew 2, too, the very first question you see there is saying, where, he, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Isn't that fascinating? The first two questions in the Bible. And it's more than a Bible fun fact. It's quite profound. The first question, very profound. It's quite a bit in this question, and you have to know that it is God who is asking that question in Genesis 3. And he does this as he's pursuing humanity. And Adam, which represents you and I, his question comes after creation. His creation disobeys him, and for the first time, sin enters the world. And he asks because they are hiding in shame. And so he asks, where are you? They know they've done wrong. Now, does God have to ask? He knows where they are. They're not just really good at the game hide and seek. He knows. But he asks it rhetorically and says, where are you? Why? Because he wanted to reveal their sinful state and their separation now from him. And it's essentially revealing what I'm asking of you tonight. Where are you spiritually? Reflect on that. Do you know? Have you truly dealt with the problem of your sin and shame? We all have it. It's not unique just to you. It's not that your neighbor sitting next to you doesn't have this problem. We're all in the same boat here. And because of it, it comes with death and despair and hopelessness in a sinful and fallen world. And it comes with God's just punishment on it. And it needs to be dealt with more than any of those other questions that I posed earlier. And it's profound and it's easy to miss, even in our church culture. Just by being here and worshiping the night together doesn't do it. We're here, right? That's what you do on Christmas Eve. You come to church, you worship, you sing a few songs, you leave, you go. But the question's profound, and I believe God still asks of it of us today. Where are you? Where are you? You say, Well, I'm here, God, aren't I? At Real Hope, 1345 Stonehenge Lane. I'm sitting right here. What he is asking hasn't changed. He says, do you know where you are? Have you dealt with the sin that you're in trouble with? You need a savior and you need to come be, bow before the throne in humility and surrender your life. And I believe the only way that we could ever answer that question and truly determine if our problem has been dealt with is if we are truly making our life's pursuit to answer the second question, where is he? Now we know that this question was, was asked by King Herod. You see, the world wanted to know at the time, King Herod asks it in maybe a negative way because he wanted to rid himself of Jesus. Not because he wanted to deal with the sin problem, but because he wanted to eliminate the Savior. And he told the Magi, he said, find him so I can go and worship him. But we really know he didn't want to worship him at all. But you see, Jesus simply can't be eliminated and he cannot be ignored because he's God. Once again, at Christmas, pursuing humanity to deal with the problem and restore fellowship once again. And that's what Christmas reveals, the answer to the question, where is he? He's here. The Messiah has come. The Christ has come. He's in the manger for us to worship, but it's much more than that. It doesn't stop there. He comes to this earth so that we could know him and walk with him and be in relationship with him. And we don't have to hide anymore do we? When God says, where are you? We say, where is he? You see, Jesus came to free us of our sin and shame, and he came and died on a cross and shed his blood to pay for the sins of the world, yours and mine, 
so that when he asks, where are you? We say, right here at your feet because I found him. I know Jesus has come. So tonight, God asks you, where are you? Where are you spiritually? Are you in a right relationship with him? And I hope that you can respond by pursuing the Savior and answering the question, where is he? He is with me. Christmas answers that. He is here, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, Jesus came to bring life, and he gave his life so that be possible. Jesus came as light, that light that shines in the darkness, the darkest corners of our heart and life and world. And he came as lamb to die for our sins and be a substitute so that you and I could experience that forgiveness of sins and no longer have to hide in shame. And he came as Lord so that we might worship him in all of his worth and magnificence, not just this night, but every night, listening to his word, trusting and obeying. Where is he? He is here, and he is here for you to receive as king. Invitation being clear from John 1, 9 through 12. This is the offer Jesus makes here. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But verse 12, But to him who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God for all who place their faith in him. So where are you? Where are you in life? And this is true for those who have received Christ and those who who haven't. Those who haven't need to go seek him. Those who have need to keep asking, where is he? Moment by moment, knowing that Jesus is with us, walking right beside us. I am praying that you do not leave here tonight without answering those two questions. When God says, where are you? And your answer is, I am pursuing him. I want to find him. Where is he? He is here, the Savior. I want to pray for us on this night as we continue to worship together. Let's pray.